Welcome to the Book Dialogue. We are so happy that you joined us today. This is Sarah. And this is Rebecca. We have something special for you today. I am looking forward to this discussion. It's Sarah's turn, and as you know, she always picks some very interesting books. And this one is so extraordinary that you will want to listen in. It's funny because off air we were talking and I said I have a couple of books I want to share. What about this one? And Rebecca all of a sudden went, oh no, no, we have to talk about that one. And it is really unusual. And let me give you the title of the book. It is Raising the Peaceable Kingdom by Jeffrey Mosafif Mason. He has a PhD in Sanskrit and Indian studies. He was very actively involved in Freud psychology and led a lot of the studies after Freud's passing. He had been involved in the world of psychiatry. What he did, though, is he had some very interesting and novel ideas, which marginalized him from that particular area of research and studies. What he did is he then turned to the animal world. This particular book, The Peaceable Kingdom, was his approach to understanding that if animals could be raised in an environment where they are nurtured from almost the point of birth to live with predators, their natural prey, would the barriers of conflict be broken down? Could they learn to love each other? Let me just get this. Animals from birth are brought together with friends and enemies. Absolutely. What he did, he took nine animals, a kitten, a giant rabbit, two rats, two chickens, and a dog. He raised them within their family home and looked to see what would happen as a result of this type of engagement. So would the rats be loved by the cat? In the story, you find out that he actually has two other cats. The whole story is around how these relationships between all these animals develop. Did they start to love each other or did they start to look at each other as food? The cats that they had in the house prior to the arrival of all these new animals did have some struggles. His whole idea was that if animals could learn to live in harmony with love for each other, why could we not as humans do this? The whole premise behind it is that our perceptions of differences, our perceptions of people who are outside our own experience are really predicated on what we have grown up with, our own background, so that it is our perspective shaped by our nurture, not our nature. I'm reading from the blurb. I decided I better look at this very closely because a peaceable kingdom is something that we all want. But it seems that there were some transitioning into a peaceable kingdom. For instance, I see that the Flemish giant rabbit, which they named, I think it's Hohepa, Hohepa. remained inscrutably reserved. Kaya and Ora, the rat, slipped all day and became active at night. The kitten made herself instantly comfortable because, of course, kitty cats think that everything belongs to them. Absolutely. Now, 
The part that I would be very interested in is the Polish frizzle chickens, Moa and Mona. Did they actually live in the house? Yes. It is definitely a book that you want to read. I had picked it up because I was intrigued by the story of the writer, that he would make this huge shift from what he had studied. He's a brilliant man. He is not afraid to be controversial. And I think as a result of that approach, it has marginalized him to the study of animals. So he's written actually a fair number of books. This just happens to be one of them. And I was struck by the idea of his desire to look at the nature-nurture relationship. Is it our nature or are we nurtured to adapt certain understanding of the people in the world around us. He was using animals as a way to be able to illustrate that those perspectives and those biases are things that are found and nurtured by our environment and are not necessarily inherent. So when you get to the end of the book, the experiment was successful. Um, that's all I'm going to say. As it happens, they did have to move on to a different environment. They had been on a beach in New Zealand, and they weren't able to continue the pattern and the experiment as they had. So they had to find homes for the animals, and they did find homes. And Hohepa, the rabbit, actually is queen of all she surveys in this new location that she has been given. I won't give it away. It sounds wonderful, Sarah. It was uh, it was a really lovely book to read. It's not a very long book, but it is worth reading because I think what it does is it forces us as humans think through our prejudice and our bias. How did those come to be? The idea of diversity. We say that we enjoy diversity, but we need to understand what diversity means. It's acceptance of what is not like us. Mm. And to not only accept it, but to celebrate it. There's one comment here. You know, you always look at the comments <laughs> afterwards. Uh, this person said, brilliant subject, brilliant writing. If everyone read and learned from the animals, the world could possibly become kind. This book offers hope. I'm not sure that I could open up my home to a variety of animals that were given free reign. The chickens were in the living room listening to music. Yes, they were integrated fully into the household. All of the animals were. There were outside pens as well. And, and he goes into describing the environment that he fostered for all of the animals. And they did monitor and watch the animals, what are perceived as natural predators. He had more trouble with the older cats that had already established patterns. There are moments throughout the book where you realize the lion and the lamb can lay down together. I do believe it offers hope because I believe that if we open our minds to thinking beyond what our current reality is and understanding that others can share a part but not whole of that reality, it gives us the opportunity to develop compassion and an understanding that may not necessarily have been in place because of the way in which our background has shaped us. One of the things that I also got out of this book, and maybe a little bit of learning more of the author's story, 
was that you never go so far down a path that you can't change your perspective and change what it is that you do. His PhD studies were in a completely and totally unrelated field, and now he's embracing a whole new approach to life. They are vegan. They're very much committed to nurturing the planet and the animals uh, as caretakers. He has a number of books, very popular books, that are specifically focusing on what animals can teach us. As an introduction to his writing on working with animals, this is a wonderful, lovely start to learning more about why he's choosing this to embrace this new approach of learning. Why did he choose New Zealand? I'm not 100% sure. I don't really know too much about his background other than his academic and his work in psychiatry. But his PhD was in Sanskrit and Indian studies. So he does, I think, finds Oceanic region to be his home territory. Sarah, when was this book written? I'm looking him up now. It says that skeptical that humans could be understood, at least by psychologists, Mason turned to animals. In 1995, he published When Elephants Weep, an international bestseller followed by the equally popular Dogs Never Lie About Love. Yeah, no, he has a, a significant number of books that he's published using animals as an illustration for emotional engagement. And he really does uh, open up the world to understanding that animals are emotional beings. There is thought. They do feel. And just this little introduction that I had to his work, there is a depth of understanding about animal feelings and a thought that we as humans have not understood. Well, he goes on to write many books, The Nine Emotional Lives of Cats, The Pig Who Sang to the Moon, Altruistic Amardillos, Zen-like Zebras, <laughs> this is the best, what animals can teach us about the origins of good and evil. I think he is an author that people need to take some time to read. The Peaceable Kingdom is not a very long read. It does, I think, open up new thinking that may be uh, revolutionary in terms of rocking our ideas about where humans fit in the hierarchy of creation. Oh, I do like this idea, Sarah. I have put this on the top of my to-be-read list, and the stack is higher and higher. But this is an extraordinary read. I can see it. I do recommend, and I would recommend to our listeners to pick up this book or to pick up another book that has been written by Jeffrey Musaf Mason, because I do believe that we have to understand the role that we have in caring for creation. And I think we need to work to do what we can in our own lives, that we have a role to play in seeing ourselves as part of a holistic environment, and that our role and our place, we need to be the caretakers of the world around us. Opening up and reading one of his books, I think, might bring that thought into uh, the reader's head and then reconcile. I think each of us have to come to the point where we reconcile to ourselves. What I say and what you see, what you say, isn't necessarily anything other than to create an opportunity for listeners to judge for themselves. 
to open the book, to read the book, and see how it plays into their life. I think that is an excellent place to leave this conversation, which has been invigorating. I must say, Sarah, you always choose the most interesting books to share with me. What I do is I go on to what's being read and I kind of pick different genres, different ideas, because I want to keep my thoughts fresh. I want to keep broadening and expanding my understanding of things that I may not necessarily ever be exposed to. This is certainly one of those books, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to share. We'd like to hear what you have to say, listeners. So join us on thebookdialogue.com or thebookdialogue.ca. We are thrilled that you joined us today. So until next time, when we discuss another exciting book that I believe Rebecca has read, stay well, keep reading, and join us next time.